Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. What a day to be alive at Love Sports. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest on the Goodyear Hotline, just joining us. Where you been? We had an unbelievable hour today. Look, you just need to be here for these two hours. We're doing a lot of stuff. And when you miss stuff, I need to go. I feel an obligation to you to go back over it so you know what it is you've missed. You can always catch up on it with our podcast. You can catch up on it on ESPN Plus anytime. But we had Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, who was breaking down the players of his that are going in this draft. We had a green a green list that was attributed to Bill Belichick on his 69th birthday. We had the fact that Kevin Durant has more career tweets than he has points scored, which I still think is the most improbable statistic I've ever heard in my entire life. And we took your calls on which celebrity you would most like to meet if you had the opportunity to do it. Meanwhile, I'm sorry, what? what, what? I'm sorry, what, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? The punky QB Jim McMahon told 1252 Sports that Green Bay was the best franchise he was with in the NFL. He said, quote, it was the best team that I've played for of the seven teams by far. From top to bottom, it was great people. He, of course, will always be mostly remembered as a bear. He played in Green Bay, as he mentions here. He played in Philadelphia and quite a few other stops. But we will all remember him, of course, as a Chicago Bear. And he won the Super Bowl as the quarterback of the Bears. He said the Bears have always emphasized defense in the running game and, quote, I think it's where quarterbacks go to die, end quote. (laughs) Jim McMahon said, I think it's where quarterbacks go to die. Now, that's what I meant when I said a quote that is true, and yet it'll break your heart. Do you realize the Bears have never had, and they are an original franchise, they were founding, they were founded as the Decatur Staleys in 1920, have never had a 4,000-yard passer. It's impossible to believe. They, 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 are, they have unquestionably had the worst quarterback play per capita of any team in the NFL, not even close. And right now they feel about as far away from getting it right as they ever have. And that should scare you. Which brings me to this draft. The Bears have to do something, don't they? Unless they think they can still get Russell Wilson this offseason, which I can't fathom happening, I don't believe it's impossible, but I think it is, at this point, feels highly unlikely. And they don't have time to wait to get him next year. Teams are already positioning themselves to get Russell Wilson next year, i.e. Philadelphia. The Eagles have put themselves in prime position to go after Russell Wilson next year. They should have three ones in next year's draft if everything works out as it should. So unless the Bears still think they can pull Russell Wilson out of their sleeve, where are they going? They need to make an aggressive move right now. So if that is Kellen Mond or Kyle Trask or Jamie Newman or whoever it is they like in this draft, I'll be shocked if they don't do something. Going to go into this season with, with, with Andy Dalton as your answer and that's it? This is a good reason why having a coach and a general manager be lame duck is a bad idea because they can't afford that. Like, they need to do something irresponsible. They need to do something that is not in the franchise's long-term best interest, but is in their own. They need to trade everything they have to move up to get one of those guys who probably aren't worth it. They need to overdraft Kyle Trask or Kellen Mond or Jamie Newman or Davis Mills or one of those guys. They're not going to take him at 20. I can't believe they're going to take him at 20. But they have to do something. I just cannot fathom the Bears sitting back and just saying, all right, we're going with what we got here. 
And at 20, we're going to take, I don't even know who, take a, a, a good receiver. There are plenty of them in this draft. So you might get someone like Terrace Marshall or Elijah Moore or someone like that who are, who are fine players. But the Bears are not Elijah Moore away from, from being a difference-making team. So I, I, I just find it impossible to believe they don't do something aggressive at the quarterback position. So that's the true part of that statement. Now let's get to the breaks your heart part. Jim McMahon, wow. To hear Jim McMahon talking that way about the Bears kind of hurts you a little bit inside, doesn't it? I have a very close personal connection to that team. Because the fall of 1985 is when I moved away. For anyone my age, when you went to college, it was very different than it is now. So my daughter goes off to college. I still see her all the time because we have FaceTime. So every once in a while, if I just am missing her, I will, she knows. I'll FaceTime her. She'll be like, hi, Dad. <laughs> and I'm just, I just need to see your face for a second. I just need to hear your voice just for a second and see your face. Tell me about your day for 30 seconds and you can go back on about your business. And it helps. makes a huge difference. When I went to college in the fall of 1985, that was it. <laughs> I mean, you just left and you were, like a, you were like a bird flying away from the nest. And that was that. And I went from New York City, where I'd lived all of my life, to Evanston, Illinois, which wasn't then what it is now. It's much more built up now. It was much more of a small town in those days than a thriving suburb, which it currently is. Anyway, the point is, I didn't know anybody. And I loved sports then as now. And this was before DirecTV existed or the Red Zone or anything else. You watched the game that was on. Whatever game was on TV, you watched. So I watched every game the Bears played in 1985 because that was the game that was on. And I quickly realized, and that's going to be my next point, this is the best team I've ever seen. And I would say right now, to this day, and that's now 35 years ago, I believe the 1985 Chicago Bears are the single best team I ever saw for one year in any sport. I would pick them at number one in any sport as the best team I ever saw for a year. They weren't a dynasty. So you can't compare them to what the Patriots have done or to what the 49ers did or the Steelers did or the Packers once upon a time. They don't compare to those. They're not in the same discussion. But from a one-year perspective, I would put the 85 Bears above any team I ever saw. I still can't believe they lost a game. They lost that Monday night game to Miami, which was such a big deal to Shula because he, he knew the Bears were going to go the rest of the way and never lose. He knew if he didn't beat them, nobody was going to, and they were going to win the Super Bowl. And he, like all of them from 72, and I don't I mean as well they should, they treasured being the only unbeaten team. So they didn't want the Bears to do it, and the Bears didn't do it. Think how differently we'd think of that 85 Bears team if they had won just that one more game. But either way, I think they're the best team I ever saw for any one year in one sport. So I'm going to throw that open to the hashtag crew. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. We'll go in the reverse of the normal order we use. Hashtag Nuno, whose favorite sport is basketball, but I'm giving you any sport you want, any choice. In your lifetime as a sports fan, what's the single best team you ever saw in any sport for one year? For me, it's that 98 Yankees team. 98 Yankees. How old were you then? 20. Okay, good. Because I brought that up to Hembo this morning. When I had this idea, you're going to hate this, Nuno. You're not going to hate it as much as I am. I brought that up to Hembo. And I I told Hembo, we we, we came up with this idea this morning before this, you know, we're before get up. And I said, let's do this. And I said, he was, he's going to name a different team. And I, he's such a baseball geek. I said to him, I was sure you would name the 98 Yankees. And you said, 
I'm too young to remember the 98 Yankees. I mean, I remember them vaguely. but uh, I Stop talking. No, stop talking. You, you lost me at too young to remember the 98 Yankees. 98? You're too young to remember? How old were you in 98? I was eight years old, and I had to go to the be- bed after like the third or fourth inning. <laughs> he was going to bed. Nuno, he was in bed in the third inning, the 98 Yankees. What do we think of that? It's, it's sad. It's <laughs> truly sad. <laughs> for us. It's sad for us. It means we're old, and he's young. I was going to go with the – I was thinking about the 86 Giants, you know, and I was 10, and I remember that, Dembo. So it's just like <laughs> – but I think overall that 98 Yankees, it just – there was just something special about it. Yeah, and, and, and they set the record at the time, right, for most wins, which has since been broken by Seattle, right? Do I have that right? They set the record for most wins. I think if you combine the regular and postseason, they do have the record. They yes. have the record, but Seattle, I think, broke their regular season record mm-hmm. one way or the other. 98 Yankees is a good choice. I would have considered the 76 Reds. Uh, I'm I'm the only one on this show old enough to remember them, but the Big Red Machine they were they might be second on my list. Let me go to hashtag Bubba. Bubba, who's the best team you ever saw for any one season? I'm gonna go when I was 17 years old, the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Okay, that's a good one. That's yeah, okay. I hadn't even thought of college. Yes, that was an, a ridiculous team. Hembo, real quick, do a little. Digging. Give me the names on that team. Give like, me the players. Like their third stringers were unbelievable. Yeah, and the their entire third te- stringers made the NFL. The entire team wound up in the NFL. That's that's a good call. And and okay, I like that one. It's off the. It was a little off the board, but I liked it. Devin, I say hesitantly. What's the best team you've ever seen for one year in your life? How about the 2016-2017 Golden State Warriors? Yeah, that's good. That, was that the first of the KD years? Yes, it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's good. That's good. How many games did they win? Because the 73-win team was the year before, but the KD team is inarguably better. I'm with you. How many t- games did that team win? They, they wouldn't have lost in the playoffs if you had put together an all-star team from every year in the entire history of the NBA. 67 games. 67 games, yeah. Okay, that's a, you know what, Devin? That's a very good choice. Bubba, quickly, who was, uh, not Bubba, Hembo, who was on the 2001 Miami Hurricanes? That, that team had uh, Clinton Portis. Willis McGahee and Frank Gore in their back. Oh, that's right. That's how good that's they were. Right. They had that running back. <laughs> we're all on their team. So who did you wind up choosing, Hembo? The 2007 Patriots yeah. are the best team I ever saw. They're the only team among these that did not win a championship, but they felt inevitable to me. Yeah, and, they, and, they, and they, they went through a stretch there where they just obliterated people. So it's an interesting little conversation here. Maybe we'll do some calls on that a little later. In the meantime, a very famous person said a very honest thing, and with it, he may have just changed everything in sports. I will explain next. My name is Greeny, and you're listening to ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. 
Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. That was a topic a little bit earlier today. If you could, if you could have an interaction with any celebrity that you've never met, who would you choose? And I've, I've been privileged to meet almost everyone in sports. So I look in another direction. Paul McCartney would be first. Meanwhile, another topic we had, what was the best team you ever saw for any one year? Bubba had the best one. Bubba, I give you credit. The 2001 Miami Hurricanes, we did a little digging. Hembo, they had 17 first-round picks? They had 17 first-round picks on that roster, including backups and freshmen. But, but, but just uh, give me a, a quick sampling of some of the names. Sean Taylor, Kellen Winslow, Jonathan Vilma, DJ Williams, Vernon Carey, Vince Wolfork, Andre Johnson, Jerome McDougal, Willis McGahee, William Joseph, Bryant McKinney, Jeremy Shockey, Philip Buchanan, Ed Reed, and Mike Rumpf. That doesn't even include the running backs. <laughs> and, and the three running backs we talked about, Frank Gore, McGahee and uh, and Clinton Portis were all on that team. That 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 2001 Miami team. That's a really good call. All right, one of the best college football teams of this little mini era, of course, has been Clemson, and they actually don't have the the volume of first round picks that you might associate with them. You might think they would, but they don't. They've obviously got Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback, who's going number one. Travis Etienne will go um, late first or early second. I actually just broke down their starting left tackle yesterday, a little later in the process. He's someone who might go late second round, third, something like that, protected Trevor's blind side. But we're not talking about a host of first-round picks on that team this year. But that's not the subject. Did you read the comments from Trevor Lawrence in Sports Illustrated this week? That's gotten a lot of attention. We've talked about it a lot on Get Up. And my first reaction to it was that it is much ado about absolutely nothing. Trevor Lawrence telling Sports Illustrated, among other things, that he doesn't have a chip on his shoulder and his father saying it isn't Super Bowl or nothing for him. He he doesn't live and die for it. And as we've broached the topic on Get Up, a few different interesting perspectives have been raised. And so a few different thoughts that I have. Trevor Lawrence was honest. This is how a lot of people think. If you really consider it, I remember one time at Northwestern, we had a player who, got, who had, was diagnosed with a significant enough injury that he had to retire. He was a good player. And I sent a text to Pat Fitzgerald, the coach at Northwestern, just expressing, hey, I'm so sorry to, to see that this happened. And he wrote me back. I, it was a, he's just a special person, Fitzy. But he wrote me back. Football is what we do. It's not who we are. And I think altogether very often we think of football players as people for whom that's what they are. And the reason is because in order to become a football player, you kind of have to be that way, or at least that's always been the way. The the line between being crazy and being tough is frequently straddled, if not leaped over, by football. 
It is grueling. It is mentally exhausting. Andrew Luck walked away from it because he couldn't take the physical pounding anymore. He couldn't take being in pain all the time. So Peyton Manning loved it. He would have played until they, they took the ball away from him, which is what happened. Brady, it's the same. He's obviously still doing it. My old partner, Mike Golick, would have played until they just did. He would have played until he was 50 because he loves it. Great. That's part of you. That's, if that's inside of you, there will always be guys like that. There'll always be football. But you also have to consider for yourself the way the world is changing and with the generational wealth that players get as quickly as they do in sports today, which a generation or two ago was not on the list of options, are we going to see a lot more football players walk away younger? And is there anything wrong with Trevor Lawrence saying, this isn't my whole life? Part of it, I think, is his age. It's just a different mindset amongst people of that age. They don't view the world the same way people my age do, and I have to get used to things like that. But then you used to ask yourself a question. If you won the lottery, would you keep doing your job? Not too many people have jobs where the answer is yes. The overwhelming majority of people would answer that question no. And I use won the lottery because there are very few other ways to go from having almost no money to having more money than you could ever possibly spend as quickly as athletes do. Very few other people in our society go from being 20 or 21-year-old people to having tens of millions of dollars overnight. But that's about to happen to Trevor Lawrence and to a lot of other people. And I say, God bless them. I couldn't be happier for them. But the point is, that's kind of like winning the lottery. And they keep going to work. And part of it is because it's a game and it's fun and many of them love it. Again, Tom Brady... He's got more than enough money to set up, you know, his great, 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 great grandchildren any way they want to be set up. He does it because he loves it. He's clearly not motivated by the money. But I ask you, would you keep doing your job if you won the lottery? And depending on what you do, the answer may very well be no. I know lots of people who don't make anywhere near that level of money who absolutely would. They love what they do. I ask myself that question sometimes. How much would I, how much would I, do what would I do with my life if I suddenly I'm obviously I have a, a level of money but there's always multiple levels of money out there if I had I'm making up the most ridiculous example Bill Gates's money would I keep doing this job I love this job but I get up awful early in the morning to do this job and I spend a lot of time doing this job would I keep doing it I don't know the answer to the question I sure would love to find out but the point of it is that if you're a football player and you've made, if you've got $30, $40 million in the bank, much less 100 as some of them do, would you keep playing? And there's nothing so wrong with saying the answer is no. You'd be criticized like crazy for it, like crazy. People would say that's not how a football player is supposed to think. But Andrew Luck made $109 million in his career. If he had made 10% of that, do you think he'd still be playing? I think the answer is yes. Well, that's what the job used to pay. So you go back to the 70s, the 80s, the 90s. Go ahead, go look up how much money Terry Bradshaw made in his career. Terry Bradshaw, who was the first pick in the draft and a first ballot Hall of Famer and won four Super Bowls, was sort of the first legendary quarterback of the Super Bowl era, of the post-Bart Star era. Look up how much money he made. I think his highest paid season, he made $200,000. Do you have it? You'll look it up. The point is, it doesn't matter. It's going to be something like that. So those guys kept playing until they couldn't play anymore. And they tried desperately to hold on. 
Because then they were going off into the real world and doing other jobs. If that wasn't your life experience, you might approach this stuff very differently. There's nothing wrong with that. And it is just what we're going to have to get used to in football players. Because that mentality that we have always considered to be normal and that we have sort of come to expect, almost come to demand, it doesn't really make sense. All right, we will roll on here. I just thought that was an interesting piece, and you should read it. My, my, my compliments to whoever put that together. That was a really good piece on Trevor Lawrence, and there's a lot in it that is illuminating. Dan Orlovsky will join me live next. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. And with that, I say hello again to Dan Orlovsky. What's up, Greeny? How are you, brother? Well, we were having a little fun earlier today, and that's why Hamba, I mean, uh, Bubba just played the Taylor Swift song because I was able to introduce my daughter to Taylor Swift, and it made me the greatest hero of all time. The question was, if you could meet any celebrity in the world, have an encounter with any celebrity in or outside the world of sports oh. that you've never met, who would you, Dan Orlovsky, choose? Wow, put me on the spot. Um, who would you, think who, right who, who now, you most excited to meet? Yeah, right now I'd probably choose Mac Toma strictly because uh, the the golf obsession that I have. People who don't know Mac Toma is a golfer. Um, the golf obsession that I have right now, and just his uh, witty sense of humor and loving to make fun of other people. I, in this moment right now, I'm taking Max Homa. So Max Homa, for those of you who don't know, is a tour player who does this thing on Twitter where he asks people to send them video of of their swing, and then he just annihilates them right i mean yeah. that, that's that's his thing yeah but let me just say dan i'm going to give you the the entirety of this interview to think of someone else not that that isn't a we could make that happen in two seconds like i i, I have no doubt i could i could find you an encounter with max homa pretty easily <laughs> I, I would hope so i i would hope so i mean he's roasted my swing on twitter before um you know, obviously, I think Tiger Woods would be up there for me. I'm trying to think of an actor that I love. That's a, that's a little uh, more you know, along Mark the lines Robert. of what we were expecting, Dan. Tiger Woods seems a little... We had people calling in saying things like uh, Michael Jordan and, and Hembo said Cal Ripken and Nuno said Olivia um, Wilde, which I... <laughs> Olivia or Olivia Munn, Munn which mm-hmm. I really enjoyed. Um, yeah, I don't think Olivia would. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> have you met Nuno? I'd probably say Mark Wahlberg. Big Wahlberg fan. Mark Wahlberg. Okay, there you go. That's a little more along the line. He is a big sports yeah. guy. He probably we could probably make that happen too. Okay, so let's get down to the real business here. I, let's let's get to some of the 
the quarterback stuff in this draft because, again, nobody does it better, in my opinion, than you do. And you did two excellent breakdowns of tape this morning on Get Up. The big takeaway from the first one, Mac Jones. For those who didn't get a chance to see our show, and they obviously aren't going to be able to see your tape now, but what is the single biggest takeaway you have about Mac Jones as some fan base prepares for him to become their quarterback? Yeah, Mac Jones has got the best tape this season out of all these college quarterbacks. The best tape. And so we often so much fall in love with, like, the physical traits. And I say this all the time. You have to look at quarterbacks differently than every other position when it comes to the NFL draft. When I'm taking a wide receiver early or a defensive end, like, yes, the physical is ultimately the most important thing. Like, are you six foot five and 250 pounds and run four four? All that stuff. Like, I, I need you. There is a benchmark with what you need to be physically and talent-wise. The quarterback position is flipped. While it's played with the body, it is clear the most important aspect of quarterbacking is the mind. And at the end of the day, like, Mac Jones's ability to think through things and know what to do with the football. And then also, he is very, very, very talented. Like, I feel like over the past couple of weeks, we, many people have talked about Mac Jones. Like, he doesn't have any physical traits. And he's just, you know, some guy out of a classroom that just because he's smart, he's out there and lobbing the football everywhere. He's very talented. And um, his greatest attribute is the most important thing when it comes to quarterback play. And so I think he's got the best tape out of all the college kids. He doesn't have the best traits. No, but his traits are fantastic. And some, he's got a chance to be a very good player. And, and so he's an interesting prospect and you worked with, and you played with Manning, right? You played with you were with Peyton for at least a year, weren't you? Yep, yep. So, so when you look at the tape here, and I'm not trying to put that on anybody. Obviously, he's got a long. Everyone has a long way to go to be Peyton Manning. But I mean, is that what you're talking about? Do you see some of the similarities? Because I remember the book on Peyton when he was coming out was he has reached his ceiling. He can't get any better, and he only became you know one of the five best quarterbacks ever. So, is there a similarity there? Yeah, I do believe that there's a similar similarity there where like you have this just understanding of I always say this, Greeny. Okay, when your play gets called in the huddle, your immediate thought as a quarterback is what's my play? Okay, what is the object of my play? And then where's the weakness of my play? Every play do you, there's a flaw or a weakness in every play. You get to line of scrimmage, what's the defense? What's the object of the defense? What's the strength? And then what's the what's the weakness of the defense? And you got to think of all those things. That's not just one or two things. There's like 25, 30, 40 things tied into a six, seven thought process. How quickly can you do all that and, and kind of cross things off to know, take that 40 check, 40 kind of box checklist, mock, get it down to four or five things, ball gets snapped, and then do the right thing and do it 70 times in a row, so to speak, over the course of a football game. And then the thing you just can't measure that we will never know until a guy gets into the NFL is two things. What does he do during the lonely time? Because that is the separator. Russell Wilson, the, the separation is in the pressure, preparation. So what does he do during the lonely time? And how does he change once he gets money? And those are two things that are just very difficult to try to measure and quantify. But he does have that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady. Uh, I think Patrick Mahomes has this. Um, Matt Ryan, those, those kind of very, very thought-provoking traits when it comes to playing the quarterback position. Greeny and Dan Orlovsky is with me coming to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17. The other thing that I'm, I'm getting a little tired of hearing people tell me is, well, there are no quarterbacks next year that project to go in the first round. 
because there were two of them who were going to go in the first five picks who this year, who a year ago today, no one thought were going to go in the first round. Mac Jones is one and Zach Wilson is the other. So for the people who've never seen Zach Wilson and are now preparing for him to become the second pick in the draft, how did he do that? What did he do this year that made him go from a guy who wasn't going to be anywhere near the first round to a guy who was going to be the second player off the board? Yeah, I mean, first of all, healthy. You know, he, he was healthy this year in comparison to last year. Last year had a little bit of a hand and a little bit coming off shoulder surgery. Uh, number two, his team was very good this year. His offensive team was very, very good this year. And I have said this. I think the quarterback who had the easiest job this year is Zach Wilson. And that's just me being dead candid. I think everyone says, well, Mac Jones, he's got the best protection. Dudes are wide open all the time. Yeah, the guy that on tape that has that is actually Zach Wilson. Mm. I think that another comparison or another example is traits. You know, I always say this, don't draft a quarterback off of production. Okay, like production is, is very skewed in college. You're always drafting them off their traits and their talents and their skills and how they can go project. I think he's got the loosest arm out of any guy in this draft, meaning he, his arm isn't – a lot of guys' arms are structured. They're – it's the same throwing motion on a consistent basis. His arm can throw from all the different angles because it's almost, imagine a hose. You know, it's very loose, and but still very explosive and strong. Um, he's got the talent to have this FOMO style, fear of missing out. You know, almost every play, he's like, what, 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 what can I do? What big play can I make? How can I wow somebody? And so you're intrigued by all that stuff. But he will have to play a different style of football in the NFL. There is no doubt about it. And I am been very outspoken that um, his his task this year of playing quarterback at BYU was more often than not easy. Well, that's pretty interesting. He did have the 69th. I mean, Hembo just put up on my screen. BYU played the 69th strength of schedule this year. Obviously, they're not in one of the power conferences. Alabama played the 6th schedule. Ohio State played the 15th. Clemson played the 20th. Just by comparison to the other quarterbacks, Trey Lance doesn't belong in the conversation because his team didn't even play a season. But, but so then let me just then go to you on this because for those who don't know, you know the LaFleurs very well. Mike LaFleur is the yeah. new offensive coordinator of the Jets. You played for his brother, Matt who yep. was the head coach in Green Bay. So you know that offense. You, you know it intimately. Yeah. Is yeah. this kid the right quarterback for that offense? Uh, any quarterback is the right quarterback for that offense, mm. okay? Like that offense is just, just so quarterback friendly. But is he, is he the style of quarterback that can take this offense to a different level? Yes, he's got the talent to do that. Where you're going to get him up from under center, out on the edge on a consistent basis, and he's going to be able to make some of those throws where his body's running full speed to a sideline, and it's just this sidearm flick to a guy crossing the field, or he's going to go with one of these big hard play actions, set up in the pocket, hang out for a little bit, and have one of these launches that goes from one side of the field all the way to the other to a front pylon. So I think he's got traits to take this offense to a different level. He's got a skill set that can elevate this offense to a different level. And then when you call the play and the defense wins the rep, and it's a good play call, but they're just better. You just don't execute in totality as an offense. He's got the ability to improvise, and he's got that ability to kind of create. And so that's when it's, you get into a, a state where you're talking about a player that goes above the X's and O's. And I do think he has that talent. That being said, again, that being said, it is going to be a very different and difficult, much more difficult situation for the Jets, for him with the Jets this year than it was 
you know, his offensive line playing against Western Kentucky or Texas State or Navy. So there you have that. That, that, that. that, of course, is clearly true. We root for the best on that for those of us who have a vested interest in it. Karini Arlovsky, one more. Speaking of a vested interest, we've talked so much about the big five quarterbacks in this draft. Right now, listening to this conversation, Dan, are fans in Chicago and fans in Pittsburgh and fans in other places that would love to get a quarterback and aren't going to be able to get one of the first five. Who should they want? Who should they be hoping for after those five names that their team drafts? Yeah, I would say the guy that I'd be most intrigued about would be Kellen Mond. Um, Two reasons why. All we've seen Kellen Mond at Texas A&M do is get better and better and better every year. Okay, better and better and better every year. And the second thing would be Jimbo Fisher's style of coaching gets guys ready to to play football mentally at the next level, to have answers for certain plays, to know why we're doing things. It's very much so a quote-unquote pro style of offense where he was asked to be under center and he was asked to direct protections and he was asked to push guys in the run game to certain areas and he was asked to make checks at the line of scrimmage. And so you're getting a guy that talent-wise is only shown to grow, grow and grow and grow. And also he's got a really good foundation of coaching and maybe he goes to a place like a Pittsburgh that's got a young offensive coordinator now in Matt Canada and goes, okay, there's this talent there, and there's this guy that kind of hardened a little bit through his experience, and I think I can use some of my coaching experience in college to take some of that untapped potential and talent and make him into a really good player. All right, we'll see. That, that, that's one of the intriguing ones. I'm with you, and he's got four years of experience. He's played like crazy as opposed to a lot of the other younger or other quarterbacks in this draft who just don't have anywhere near the experience. And, and history suggests that does make a difference. All right, Orlowski, you got golf plans this weekend? Uh, no golf plans this weekend, Greeny. Uh, Going to go down to Philly tomorrow to go see some friends for a child's birthday, their, their kid's birthday. Mm-hmm. I am. You know what? I'm going to Lounge 18 in Fairfield, 12 to 2, to go, to go hit some golf balls. That's All it. Right, fair Sunday. enough. Well, well, we'll we'll get out and play sometime soon, and I'll see if I can't I get Max Homa involved in that. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> well, later, guys. <laughs> see you later. Dan Orlowski, you'll see him on NFL Live this afternoon and every day on ESPN as we're all sort of getting geared up now as we approach the draft rapidly. And he is like, I, he shares my golf addiction, which I enjoy. Homa does do that. It's funny. If you've never seen it, um, people just send him video of their swing, and he just like Jeffrey Ross's them. He just he just obliterates people and their swing. So that uh, is pretty good stuff. All right, one more thing. I need you to listen carefully. I just want you to know. Oh, I just mentioned Dan's um, plans for the weekend, and I thought we could just get everybody's plans for the weekend. We'd just like you to know what we've got going on here. It's been the end of a long week. Like, we, we do this thing on Get Up where we do a best of the week. We show stuff that happened all week on the show. And I must tell you, when we aired it this morning, my reaction to some of the stuff was, that was this week? <laughs> like, if you had told me some of the stuff that we did on Tuesday, we did in 2011, I would have believed you. It feels that long ago. So this stuff, it's just crazy the way time, the perception of time is feels right now in the world. I can't put my finger on why. There are obviously a million reasons. But these weekends feel so precious to us now. So let's find out the exciting plans of the hashtag crew. First off, of course, Bubba, who many people may not know, 
uh, but for a very long time, uh, worked as a social director on a cruise, uh, cruise ships. He would go on the cruise, much like the, the Julie McCoy from a generation ago on the love boat. Uh, that was Bubba's job for a long time. He would put together shuffleboard tournaments and dances and dinners and things like that. So always obviously outstanding at planning social events. So Bubba, what are your plans for this weekend, I wonder? Well, tonight I'm locked into DeGrom. The Mets are in Colorado, mm-hmm. so we okay. got that locked in. Tomorrow I'm going to hopefully go for a walk. And uh, Sunday I'm wide open. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That is, that is everything I was hoping it would be and more. Uh, Devin, I know nothing about your life outside of this. What are your plans for the weekend? Greeny, i got to buy a new windshield wiper. And also, when I'm you in the say mar- a windshield wiper. Yeah, just one. Just one's broken right now. It, it was raining yesterday, and it was I mean, pretty you dangerous. Get both. You can't just have one. You got to replace them both. You can't. You, you can't just get one. You have to get them both. It'll mess up the. You got to have two. There's, have- there's an equilibrium. Oh, this is exactly. my first time doing it. Uh, and also, I'm going to buy some golf shoes. You like that? Oh yes, I do. I have a recommendation for you. These squares, these shoes that 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 are brand new. Nick Faldo advertises them. They are spectacular. We'll talk about that offline. Uh, Nuno, what are the big plans for the weekend? I'm going to reevaluate just life. I'm getting destroyed here for my Olivia Munn uh, take. No, so not destroyed. Like, no, I mean. You heard Orlowski take a shot at me. Everyone that's walked into this studio has taken a shot at me. I need to reevaluate who I surround myself with. All right. That, that, that's reasonable. I agree with that. But I blame them, not you. How about you, Hembo? This is a big weekend in the Hempikita's household, Greeny. Why is that? I'm pulling out the mower. The mower is coming out this weekend. I've been spending the last couple weekends seeding and you know topsoiling where oh, you're mowing. I am mowing my yard this weekend for the first time this uh, year, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. But you know what that's like. No, I know. Well, I know. Uh, I know it from one experience. I mowed my lawn one and a half times. What? In in, in the twenty, I bought my, the, the the homes that we have owned. I've I've been a homeowner, if you will. I've had a lawn in my life for twenty one years. Okay. I mowed it. The people from whom we bought our house uh, had a lawnmower. They left it for me. Very I kind. mowed it once. Took me forever. Small property. Took me forever. And I was drenched in sweat and exhausted. And I figured, all right. Look, I'm a kid from New York. I, mean, I lived in apartments all my life. I figured that's got to hold me for you know, four or five months. Months? Like, le- like two, three days later, it needed a mowing again. I went out there. I mowed about half of it. And I just said, I'm done. I'm done. I left the mower where it was. I don't know whatever became of it. And uh, from that point forward, someone else has had to have that job. <laughs> it hasn't been me. Greeny, the podcast.